Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is a bonus episode of the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, as always, I'm joined by my co hosts, Ben and Evan, but I have to start with a major spoiler alert. That's right, we are dropping on an odd day ahead of schedule because we're going to talk about what we did this weekend and hopefully what you did too. That's right, we checked out the new DC film, The Suicide Squad. Now, this is the most batshit crazy fucking thing you will see all summer, I can guarantee that. And so we had to disrupt the season. We'll be back with our regular episodes starting next Friday the 20th. But again, major spoiler alert, we are going all the way in on James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad 2021, not to be confused with Suicide Squad, (laughs) released on exactly the same day five years ago. Written and directed by James Gunn, this one, starring Margot Robbie, of course, Idris Elba, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman, Daniela Melchior. David Dasmalchian, Viola Davis, and Sly Stallone. Composed by John Murphy, who I understand came out of semi-retirement for this. You say composed, I mean, 75% of the music in this is just songs. For sure, but I actually particularly enjoyed the music in the third act, like the scoring of Uh it. I thought it was really cool. Initial thoughts on The Suicide Squad. We haven't reviewed... Birds of Prey or the original one here yet, but um, I just thought since it was dropping and everyone's excited, it'd be fun to talk about. Be part of the conversation, as they say. And it's just, it's coming straight to our TVs, you know? It's pretty easy to coordinate that. I thought it was fun. I only watched it once. I didn't take any notes. I'm just going to spitball it and hang with you guys. Cool. Let's be a real productive day, guys. (laughs) I can still talk about anything. I thought it was really fun. I didn't have... I don't subscribe to like a bunch of pages that are going to show me a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But I just, I'm not friends with people except for Sam who will spoil stuff for me. Hey, I um, fucking, I take that seriously. Like, hey, I'm not going to tell you anything except this list of stuff that I'm going to tell you. <laughs> no, I only share shit that is like widely known mass marketing information. Maybe I do for not, people I, like you who are can't unplug just, and you see all the secrets before they happen but see all this i don't have some inside connection i just watch a fucking trailer when it comes out i just i don't need anybody else to to hype me up for anything either i'm excited or i'm not excited and also i try to <laughs> consider other people's opinions as little as possible yeah i'm the same because if i'll see a review it'll color my opinion of it i'll just be thinking about it the way that review thought about it I mean, if anything, I'd rather have somebody say, it really sucked. I'm not going to go in and be thinking like, there, right, it does suck. I'm looking for ways that it doesn't suck. Yeah, you'll have no expectation. Yeah, but if somebody's like, best movie ever, it's almost like the opposite happens every time. And if they're like, it's the dopest, then I'm like, they're wrong. You idiot. I'll decide what's the best movie ever. So aside from prior to watching the movie... (laughs) 
<laughs> Do either of you guys have anything to say about the movie? I mainly thought about how I felt before. I thought yeah. the movie was so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just thinking about the past. To be honest, no, I just still haven't seen it. I hope it's good. <laughs> I've heard great things, man. I really have. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had the same thought. I, I thought it was really fun. I mean, I'll, I'll say my con right now. God damn it. Just because, no, because it's fundamental to the whole thing. It's just that I never cared about their objective. Uh-huh. There was never any tension. Never. Even in the moments where you would have tension because it's more character stuff. I just never cared. Like, I never, I'm like, oh, what's, are they going to do it? Are they going to make it? It's just. That's funny because that's my biggest thing about the first one is that they're perfectly cast actors with great chemistry doing really cool versions of their characters. And I don't care what's happening the whole time. I don't care where they're going. The whole thing is stupid, but I like the people involved. That was my critique of the first movie. I think it can be a a little hard when your whole movie is creating this rapport that any of these characters could kick the bucket at any point. Then you don't end up like very attached to anybody. Not feeling very invested i'm um, just well you if sam hadn't spoiled that you wouldn't be expecting them to yeah kick okay the good god was man like yeah be, be ready i'm not gonna tell you anything but everybody is gonna die you would see it walking into the theater on the poster in front of the door i don't look around you fucks when i go places <laughs> i have a seeing eye dog who leads me into the theater i don't look at anything yeah, just have things in my ears, but like cotton balls in my ears. Even the idea that they are a suicide squad? Yeah, that hmm. doesn't have to prevent you from connecting to the characters. And I mean, the, the characters are the best part of this movie. Oh, it's yeah. the same in this one, but better. That Like, like Starro? Yeah, great character. <laughs> Starro's a funny character. He's not very well developed. But, oh, it's my favorite. But our, our squad, they're all like really well cast. They're funny. I kind of never get tired of John Cena. Something about his delivery, oh, yeah. or maybe just because he's a huge like lump of a man. It's just funny. Yeah. But every line he said, I was laughing. I guess his role was originally written for, I'm blanking on his name, but Drax. Dave Batista. Yeah, yeah Batista. And I guess he couldn't do it, and so they uh, rewrote it for John Cena. And honestly, I, I get that, because he's a great comic foil, but like, I wouldn't have it any other way. John Cena is perfect in this movie. Yeah, he has such a, like a, he's not dumb, but there's like a, because if Batista played it, I feel like it would have come off more like Drax, like dumb. Yeah. Where when John Cena does it, he says stupid things, but not like he's an idiot. It's like he fully has the blinders on, like you walking into a theater is like, no, this is the only way. I don't understand what you're saying because this is the yeah. way. You know? I mean, so many lines he's are so th- matter of fact. That one iconic line of the, I love peace so much that I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill or <laughs> yeah, keep it. So <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he doesn't think that's stupid. He just genuinely He's a character with no irony. That's what yeah. it is. You know, uh-huh. He and Idris Elba's blood sport are a perfect like buddy cop team of always getting under each other's skin and I loved every scene with the two of them. Nobody likes to show off what they do and what they're showing off is freaking dope. Yeah. Yeah, oh. that's right. Damn, that's right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. There, there was a couple of lines in this. I can't remember what the other one is off the top of my head, but there's a couple lines in this that I thought were rap song sample worthy and that was one of them. 
I had to laugh because it was just the thing I made fun of talking about Orphan's father, David Kane, the most dangerous assassin in the DC universe. Yeah. When that's how both Bloodsport is introduced and Peacemaker is introduced. She uses the exact same words. Yeah. And he's like, how are you going to say that? You just said the exact same thing for me. We do the exact same thing. And he's like, yeah, but only better. <laughs> Raised from birth by their father to be nothing but the best killing machine. Anything he touches is a deadly weapon. <laughs> I thought his character design was tight with, like, the... Not John Cena, right? Idris Elba. Not John Cena, no. <laughs> his costume is ridiculous. It's not a toilet Elba. seat, it's a beacon of freedom. <laughs> so funny. It looked like some video game tech, kind of, with his parts that add extra big parts to his gun, and by yeah. the time of it, he's, like, six steps into this, like, cannon, and, and also his mask, how it was, like, mostly smooth and simple but then it it was like it had a, like a, a monster face on the at bottom. the bottom and then like skeleton teeth or something yeah they're like how do we not make him deathstroke and also not make him red hood and also not make him dead shot from the other movie oh uh, we don't <laughs> we just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just yeah. change the colors a little bit oh <laughs> uh, yeah well what i think is interesting just from the top is that james gunn has said that Warner's gave him more freedom than even Marvel had to do whatever he wants. And it just kills me inside that this movie exists and Joker from Todd Phillips exists from the same company that produced the original Suicide Squad and Justice League and so many others that they've fucked with. So, like, I love that this exists untainted. And I also don't understand how this is the same reality that that can occur, but it's great. I hope they're learning from their mistakes. Well, they must have been scrambling. I don't know if it's by comparison, like not doing as well as Marvel or just not doing as well as they had planned on just trying something else yeah. to be successful and make money with these properties that should be money-making machines. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they're, at least some of the time, trusting their directors is great. I just, I really feel for David Ayer, all the hype coming out about this one, and we still haven't seen his, as he put it, fully mature edit of his movie that exists. I was reading about what happened. The producer on both of these movies said that they did a focus group screening with that movie, and then Warners did their own cut of the movie, totally separate. And the results were pretty comparable so they're like all right so let's just take the coolest parts from both <laughs> movies and then we'll give the company who cut the trailer instead of christopher nolan's editor who was hired to do the job we'll give them the edit and just say put all this list of shit in there and fun music aping guardians which had been so popular and now you get the guy from guardians it's crazy to me well that's another thing i had to give this movie like it was a little overdone, but I had to give it a pass because I'm like, oh, well, they're doing all this excessive soundtrack music, but this is his thing. That's what he does. Yeah. 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 You but can't it, hire him and expect you're going to get Danny Elfman scores. It worked. I don't want to say it worked better, but I mean, I liked it more in Guardians because it was novel for that kind of movie, a space, you know, sci-fi fun kind of thing. It's still good in this, but it feels even more like a kind of just trying to be Tarantino. Or maybe it's just because those movies are classics and I'm seeing it through a, a backwards <laughs> yeah, lens. I've seen these a million times. But just like a lot of these songs are like, oh, this just this is like a, an anime music video. <laughs> like he just <laughs> he's pulled his songs that he's like, this would be cool in this scene and this would be cool in that scene. And also the Harley Quinn foot close-ups felt like a Quentin Tarantino thing. 
<laughs> I, I knew that scene was going to be in it because they were on Kimmel. They talked about how there was this scene where she had to creep across some dude with her toes, grab keys, flip upside down, and undo the lock. And they had prepared a stunt person to do it. And she just did it herself. And he was like so impressed. He's like, oh, yeah, like uh, Margot's feet are the real star of the show or whatever. And then, and <laughs> then Tarantino's like, what? Yeah. Well, and then there was some joke made about that. Like, okay, you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of creeps on the internet for, for, for that. And, and she's like, I think it's kind of cool. That's nice. You know, and I was like, oh, my God, don't encourage them. They're bold enough as it is. <laughs> Oh, wiggle your big toe. <laughs> See, at um, least this one had a purpose. Most of Tarantino's are just there, but it, at it, least she did it to escape. The, the feet stuff in this felt like high art compared to the feet stuff in his movies. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, was like, like tasteful, ballet. restrained. <laughs> yeah, really. The only necessary one is what Evan just quoted: "Was like now wiggle your big toe." You know. <laughs> Another thing about Guardians and the the music to me too is not only are those songs bangers and it just has a great soundtrack but i also liked the way that it like you said how it how it makes for a funny contrast compared to the fact that it's a sci-fi but it's also written into the story because it's like the cassette that he had when he was a young person and so this is the music that he retains i think that's cool versus just being like a movie with a well-selected soundtrack that ties well with the scenes when you're talking about studios and maybe you have studios like a24 where their whole thing is like like advanced art films and actually trying to push the envelope and stuff yeah all like, of this like could be great could be crap we're not gonna get yeah, in the way yeah that's what we're here to try and all this big studio stuff because it's such they're here to make hits and stuff it seems like a lot of these it's back-end adjustments anyways like they yeah. didn't take the risk and then it turned out good and so then you'll have other stuff that follows suit. And it was just making me think that it's like one of those corporate settings where everybody's just like sucking each other's dicks all the time. And <laughs> What kind of corporations have you worked for? <laughs> well, I wasn't a part of it, but the people above me. Oh, you could hear it through the door. You got to get know. promoted yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you, I could picture like here's a manager, this lesser person pitches these ideas all the time and they're like, meh, 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 whatever. And then somebody who is their peer comes in and says something like pretty stupid and they're like taken back by how great <laughs> of an idea it is or something. And What if we had a ragtag band of anti-heroes coming together and they kind of bicker at each other and they fight but then well i think that comparison oh yeah great idea after the fact obvious yeah i mean of of course there's a lot of similarities with this and guardians he's taking a bunch of unknown motherfuckers and putting his stamp on it so uh, of course just these characters i do this is my maybe my favorite dc live action movie Oh, so it's going to get like a two later. That's really high for you. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. It's going to be my highest rated. Um, But it felt simultaneously the most comic booky. Yeah. But also the most like, this is a real world that these characters live in. And it's insane and ridiculous, but it felt real in a way that whatever that fucking movie was, Superman was, any of those Superman movies, (laughs) even the Nolan movies, which I mean, I like those movies more. There's not really any superheroes, and it's very gritty in that. And even that version of Batman is not the Batman we talk about, like the guy who busts into a room and beats 20 ninjas in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. He's much more of a real dude. Where these are like those ridiculous comic book characters played straight. 
with their weird powers and Starro and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I like this style because it's not afraid to laugh at itself a little bit. It's taking these characters who a, a lot of them are not that cool and acknowledging <laughs> that they're not that cool. And now that we got that out of the way, let's have yeah. some fun. These you know? people, if they were real, they'd be like, I know I'm not cool. This is what I can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it. if they made Kite Man the movie or something, and it's just like, okay, we're not going to try to make this that serious. If you can get past it as we did, then this is going to be awesome. Yeah. I thought it was fun, too, like mini Easter eggs, trying to pick out who were reoccurring actors from... Like guardians that James oh, must yeah. just be familiar with working with, and so you got like just random dude playing bit part and stuff. That that was funny. I think that would be a cool thing as an actor. His brother as Calendar Man, which is my favorite version of Calendar Man I've ever seen in anything, because <laughs> it's the <laughs> only one. It would. Well, I mean, compared to like in, live in any comic either. Oh, because this is just he's just a fucking asshole. <laughs> he's not like <laughs> yeah. That he's makes not him seem like more of a maniac. Yeah. yeah. He also played Weasel. Hey Weasel! Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, did he have prosthetics on and then they just green screened the weasel over him? I'm not sure how they did it, but I knew he was cast as Weasel. And then when he showed up as Calendar Man, I was like, oh, he's playing two roles. That's cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. That guy is Kirk in Gilmore Girls. <laughs> A recurring right. character? Yeah. Michael Rooker. It's always nice to see Michael Rooker in anything. He's a great, yeah. great actor. I was so surprised when it opened with him and... I guess this takes us right into the story, but I loved that shot. In the theater, it was dizzying, but I loved how you're watching him bounce the ball in his cell, and it looks kind of weird, and I'm like, are we looking through glass or something? And the camera does a full 180 as it's zooming out, and you see it's just the reflection from the puddle on the ground, but like, just oh, that was cool. little things like that. The direction in this is so visually stimulating from top to bottom. Yeah. And incorporating a lot more stuff like that and practical set effects instead of all CGI world like Marvel, like Snyder, that was really refreshing to me as well. Well, know? so many of these characters in this, the set pieces they're in don't need full CG. Like, obviously, you need it for King Shark. You need it for Starro. You need it for some of the explosions. Wait, King Shark wasn't real? <laughs> no, that was Sylvester Stallone. That's what I thought. Without much yeah. makeup. That's just what he yeah. looks like. No. But it's mainly guys, like, <laughs> shooting other guys or, like, slicing them up. So, I mean, I'm sure it was augmented with some CG, but just it, the effects on it. Look, I mean, the moment Pete Davidson got his face blown off, I was like, that's <laughs> this is beautiful. This is a work of art. Or like two guys each getting a chunk of their torso blown off from uh-huh. one shot. <laughs> and the thing to remember is this dude came from the trauma films that were like B or C horror movies that were fucking crazy over the top. And so once he kind of started talking about like what he was going for with this and like it's going to be hard R, hard R, guys, I was like, that is the perfect version of this cast the characters yeah. you know like to make it hyper violent and also super filthy like we've talked about this before but i hate when you're watching like a pg-13 movie and you know some guy fucking breaks his arm in half or something and it's like crap we're <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you freaking idiot cheese and rice sweetie. yeah it's just like i can't believe it and so this one takes it uh, in fully the opposite direction, and 
And there have been a few people I've seen who didn't like it. Grumps, I'm looking at you. And it's either you didn't like the violence and that was not what you were expecting, or you didn't like the crass humor and that was not what you were expecting. However, there are cum jokes in the trailer and all the ads about everybody dying, so I don't really know how anyone could not expect that, but as a matter of taste, I can see how those being one of the two factors that people would not like this movie. I think it's okay to expect it and still not like it. Mm. I'm not super into the crassness, but it doesn't bother me, but the violence is fucking awesome. It's just so, <laughs> like, it's, it was just a real sight. <laughs> but between the opening and watching Dances with Wolves for the first time yesterday, I've had my fill of cinematic animal death for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I will say that was the only thing I, I really... I haven't seen Dances with Wolves, you motherfucker! <laughs> Okay, no animals died. He didn't tell you which animal it was. So. Okay. Yeah. I'm guessing a horse from the setting. But anyway, yeah, that was the only thing I didn't like is, you know, they show you how bad Savant is in the first scene. He's got to crush that nice little bird in the corner. And then later, more bird violence, specific bird violence in this movie. Yeah. What's up with James? What's Way over deal? the top. What, what I didn't it? like that. Again, it's... Screenwriters do those things just to show how bad the fucking villains are, and they got to do some establishing thing. It it didn't bother me. It just seemed weird. Like even a bad guy, I don't. Why don't you just open the cage and let him go? Like we have to burn him alive just for us to see that you did that. But why would you do that? That doesn't. At least we didn't have to watch it. I'll give him that. Yeah, I think James is has uh, some sort of visual vendetta going on. <laughs> I didn't really like Savant's whole character flip like he's badass and he'll do anything to not be in jail anymore and then he was he raised from to... birth to be the ultimate killing machine yeah <laughs> and then he tries to swim away from the island like that doesn't seem like the dude i thought you were that's why i like it he's like clearly this is not what i thought it was <laughs> i want to go home i felt weird about that too especially just watching rooker run away scared was weird because i've only seen him play kind of tough guys but I took it more as like maybe he had some kind of PTSD or something. Yeah, of like, he's like an old man. He doesn't want to do this anymore. He's like trying to lay low and all of his fucking teammates just walk right into the trap. And he's like, God damn it. Yeah, I mean, we're getting the fuck out of here. We see only a few scenes later that the whole thing was a diversion. Yeah. So it's like uh-huh. he realized that too. It's like, we're not going to win. Yeah. I want to go home. Yeah. All right. So well, that the movie opened with. <laughs> Johnny Cash, before we even see any visual on screen, and I'm already happy, we go through the Rooker stuff, Waller enlists him for a mission, kind of running through the first hour of the previous movie in five minutes. I love this. We go straight to the mission, introduces him to Flag and the rest of the squad. (laughs) I like that when we see Boomer, he's scraping shit off his shoe with the boomerang, giving you an idea of the kind of humor that we're in for. Already, the best thing about this movie, and the best thing about most sequels, is that you don't have to set anything up. It's just, here you go, previously on Suicide Squad, okay, now we got that out of the way, let's get into the action. You know, it's the Dark Knight opening with the heist, you already know who these people are. When we were talking about whatever that fucking movie we just watched was, with Batman in it? (laughs) Well, we just watched Bad Blood. Bad Blood, where like... My thought was maybe to make that work, you pull back and you do less 
character backstory and less of that stuff and just lean into the stuff that's happening in the craziness. Yeah. And that's what this felt like, where it's just like, I mean, there was a couple like, you know, rat catchers in the bus and she's telling you her sad backstory. Yeah. And so, but it was pretty minimal. And for the most part, it was just getting from here to there and then to the next spot. The way that they do it sort of sprinkled in through the movie, you get character development, is so much cooler than a super long first act <laughs> that explains everyone's origins. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no Bloodsport backstory, there's no uh, Peacemaker backstory, no King Shark. Yeah. Polka Dot Man, you get a bit, but like they don't really <laughs> spend much time on it. Yeah. Which is good. It's like, that's not the point, guys. Yeah. We're here to blow shit up. But then you have to really hate the villain or really not want them to succeed, which I also didn't have because Star was cool. I'd be fine if Star just killed everyone. And, <laughs> <laughs> you were like Waller at the end. No, guys, you're done. You can yeah. go home. <laughs> it's fine. There was one shot in particular later on, like the second time that the mini starfish are coming out of his armpit and it gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it was upsetting because <laughs> it was such a close-up. and like yeah. When it's far away, it's not so disgusting, but yeah. But when I could see like the folds that they were emerging yeah. from, I was yeah. not into it. It's like whale briny armpit badge. <laughs> yeah. What's that? That Delightful. fear of holes, tryptophobia or something like that? Or <laughs> I um, don't know. Yeah. Relatable. All right. Now we get the helicopter scene. It mirrors kind of the first one where everyone's together. You know, they briefly introduced everyone. And already I like the way they're treating Harley better because she just pops in and is like, sorry, I'm late. Had to go number two. Versus on the first one, they do what Ev has pointed out before, the like one too many lines. They try to squeeze too many jokes out. You know, she's like, you know, this is Katana. She'll fucking cut your heart out, whatever. And she's like, Harley Quinn, nice to meet you, right? That's the joke. And then keep doing it. she keeps going. She's like, what is that perfume? The stench of death? I like her. You know, it's like fucking, you had the joke. Don't run it into the ground, right? Shut up. Yeah, they already are treating her better. And Waller's team places bets on a literal Deadpool. People are going to compare this to Deadpool because there's not a lot of super violent R-rated comic book movies that, that are, are also funny. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to relate it to Cabin in the Woods because they do something very similar in that. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. I mean, like gory. And they all work at the center that's like creating this horror scenario and they place bets on like who's going to be the first one to die and who's the, what's monster, the monster like yeah. what's going to take them out and stuff yeah that's a really good comparison because the same kind of vibe we're like we're in this even though it is silly the violence is extremely over the top but played yeah. straight yeah like it's horrible and terrifying and like i, I had moments where I, seeing them kill the soldiers of corto maltese yeah like that would suck to be the guy in that <laughs> army and like get well, torn in half by a shark man or shot in the face with a dart like through your eyeball. It's, it's just a nine to five military man. <laughs> yeah. Didn't expect to be ripped in half. I'm the dude who's always like, yeah, I don't know. Like I can't watch horror movies and the shit that's like too violent, right? But like I also have an affinity for like Dead Alive and Evil Dead and mm. like really over-the-top, ridiculous, this is not real, this is a cartoon violence, uh -huh. you know? And so seeing this shit, I'm, I can't get enough of it, but if it's just, like, real, grounded, serious violence, like, I gotta look away, you know? Sure, yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the treatment, whereas this is so... And tones. Yeah, it's so over-the-top that it feels like a cartoon, which I will never think, like, 
Oh, well, okay. There, I've seen some cartoons where I'm like, well, that actually makes me sick. That's but, upsetting, yeah. But Speaking of Kill Bill. A horror movie is, there's an intimacy to it, or the terror, even the light treatment, and then the, the sinking of the soundtrack to make stuff even scarier, where this doesn't get anything like that. It's just the brightest reds and full visual and yeah. you do whatever. You just don't take it seriously. And already I'm, I'm loving the use of humor and kind of the, the tone that they're setting in their banter on the helicopter. You know, their TDK, like, what does that stand for? He's like, stands for me. He's like, your name is just letters? <laughs> fucking Boomer is like, all names are letters, dickhead. You know, like, uh-huh. fucking, uh, Was that Nathan Fillion? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I don't know who he is, but I've heard his name a lot the past week, so Castle. yes. He was in Castle. He was in uh, Firefly and Serenity with Marina Baccarin, who's in every Batman thing now. Mm, yeah, yeah, I've seen all those things. Shut up. I don't know the things you guys talk about ever. <laughs> he was in Buffy. He was in Joss Whedon stuff. Yeah. He's the guy who, in another universe, could have been the suave, heroic lead, and instead he's always playing characters that are making fun of that character. Because <laughs> uh-huh. he's like a big guy with like a barrel chest. and but So he more goes for the archer than the James Bond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. So right away they deploy into the water out of the helicopter and Weasel immediately drowns. <laughs> and I'm getting the indication, okay, they're not fucking around. Like what I had said before of like, yeah, and like, you know, we know everyone's going to die. And you're like, what the fuck, right? But the fact that that happens in the beginning and then we pretty much carry on with everyone else who exists I was very glad for that because I was like, okay, good. Now, now whatever guilt I had is washed away by even I knew that and I was shocked watching like, oh, it's been five minutes and the first guy already died. I was bummed because they'd like developed his character so well and I felt really attached. <laughs> but Joel Kinnaman's description of him was hilarious. I really like Joel Kinnaman too. Something about his... He's so much better in this movie. His delivery is just really good. And when he says it like, no, come on, Weasel's harmless. Well, I mean, well, he, he killed 26 children, but I mean, he's okay. Yes. <laughs> We're not kids. Blackguard, or Pete Davidson, intentionally blows his cover while they're all kind of crouching on the shore. He stands up there and is like, Hey, guys, we're here. It's me. I'm the one who called. And gets his fucking face blown clean off right away. And Harley's the first to return fire. She pulls out her bag. Bazooka that we saw in the trailer. And uh, shit gets wild. Boomer returns right with his... Boomer chopping heads off. You know, tops of heads off like Siler and shit. Mongol takes down a helicopter, which explodes, kills her, Captain Boomerang, Javelin, TDK, and then Savant swims off, as Evan mentioned, and Waller is like, stop, turn around, turn around, you motherfucker, and blows his head off, and the blood coming out of his head in the water reads, Warner Brothers Pictures Presents, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm getting the vibe. Chum letters. And from there on, we actually get Snyder Cut-like chapters but in, yeah. integrated in the scenes in really cool text, whether it's you know in the texture of the mud they're walking through or that cool rooftop the shot. F- fire behind them. Yeah, yeah. Leaves on the beach. Mm. Yeah, really, really cool shit. In watching this sequence, because we haven't seen the other team yet, everyone we've been introduced to so far, minus Harley, yeah. crazy action sequence. And immediately I'm thinking, okay, in the first movie, when they're finally teamed up, and they're starting their mission. Boomerang is like, I bet this is all talk. They're not going to actually blow our heads off. You know, you want to get out of here? It's like, okay, cool, on three, you know, on my signal. And they blow Slipknot's head off really quickly. Barely had any lines or anything. And I'm thinking, okay, 
So James Gunn was like, now what if we get a really big team? <laughs> Huge cast, right? And we do that, but in the first 10 minutes, you know. And I rewatched the original Suicide Squad the same night after this, and that doesn't happen for like an hour into the movie. Uh -huh. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that strikes me in my memory of, as very early on, because it was the beginning of them going out there together. Well, this is probably, I, I'm going to guess none of us know the answer to this, but in the original comic, yeah, how fast... Or how, how, how long did it take before people started dying? I don't know. I've seen that the, the chip in their neck that blows their heads off, it was like a bracelet. That, it was like a house arrest kind but of thing. It, was it just the setup for the story, but it never actually happened until like somebody 10 years later was like, what if we kill them, though? In this I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I think the idea of it was to bring in these low-level kind of expendable characters so they could get away with it, mm -hmm. you know, and not piss a bunch of people off. But I... I don't know too much about the history other than what I've seen in like the DVD featurettes and you know like the directors talking about the inspiration they took, you know. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so then we cut to the other side of the island. We get Bloodsport, Peacemaker, Ratcatcher 2, King Shark, and Polka Dot Man arriving on the island, seeing explosions in the distance, going like, "Whoa, should we go over there?" Like, "Nope, nope, don't worry about it. Continue with the mission," you know. And like Ben said, we realize, oh, they just sent all those people to die. That was a total diversion to let these guys get in undetected. I like the way they play Waller in this movie. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. She's more vicious. Yeah, I know. think it suits her. Like I said, I, well, I don't know if I said, maybe I didn't say this thing I'm about to say. Viola Davis is a badass? Is that what you're going to say? Oh, she's an excellent actress, but that's... Or, she's amazing. <laughs> But uh, I quit the first movie when they were like halfway through and they were all standing on the rooftop and they were like looking at the thing they were going to go to and do. Yeah. And I just felt like, oh, this is not, I don't like this. I'm going to stop watching it. <laughs> well, that's good because you saw the first half of the movie where it's all just the characters hanging out and meeting each other. That's the best part. Minus Trashnado. Yeah, minus Trashnado. <laughs> Waller kills all her people like because they know too much or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. That's like the whole movie this time, that's the way she is. She's just like, yeah, completely ruthless. I mean, that's just a great character to be the leader of these people. Yeah, she still played it well in the first one, but I feel like both her and Joel Kinnaman had more to do this time. They had more to sink their teeth in. Mm. Both of them were a little one-dimensional in the first one, and I don't think they had that this time. Yeah, he's more likable and a little more interesting, and she's just meaner and more ruthless, and it works yeah. to both their advantage. Yeah. Who is Joel Kinnaman? Flag. He was in like... House of Cards. House of Cards. He was in the RoboCop remake, which is like oh, yeah. a, a good first half of a movie. Oh, yeah. He was in Altered Carbon, which started cool and then kind of wasn't. But he was also, oh, yeah. I think one of his big breaks was The Killing. Oh, I didn't see that, but I heard it was good. Yeah, like a gritty murder mystery yeah. thing. So we flash back now to Waller recruiting Bloodsport's team. I love that they do it this way. They introduce all these characters, kill them all, and then introduce these other ones. And, oh, let's go back, by the way. You haven't met them, have you? I forgot to tell you who they are. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a little tired of stories doing that, but that's the only way you can get away with killing all these other characters right away. I'm just tired of, like, here and then three days earlier, and, like, I don't like that anymore. I just feel like we see too much of that. But I give it a pass in this because that's, again, the only way you can kill off all the characters you think are the characters and then still introduce the real ones. I, I don't know. I find it refreshing the use of time in 
particularly the first act, because again, we never, or we rarely, should I say, open with a big, crazy, fast-paced action scene like uh -huh. that, and one that actually has not just stakes, but leaves almost no one left standing from all these main characters, and you know, a lot of actors we knew going into this too. I mean, that's yeah. that big risk, and so then to cut to this whole other team and. Oh, by the way, we should tell you who they yeah. are. I liked it because, again, it's so different from the first one of like all the character intros, all the coolest parts right in the beginning of the movie. And then we build and build and build towards CGI action fest. Yeah. You know? But it never gets as bad as a Marvel movie. What does that mean? Well, so many Marvel movies I think are most like. people would fight you over that. <laughs> <laughs> just in that they like. Black Widow is a perfect example because I like okay. Black Widow. I just saw it. Yeah, it was but a great it, movie. It, it does what so many of them do where like it'll have some kind of unique gimmick or tone appropriate for the story of the movie so hers is like a spy movie like yeah. action whatever but then by the end it becomes some insane we're on a spaceship that's floating and <laughs> yeah. we're now like jumping off debris as if like it they all become that or like black panther i mean it had cg earlier but it it, it wasn't as insane as the black panther versus evil black panther fight on the underground space monorail it's just I mean, they it's all their, become that same thing it's their version of the snyder third act cgi monster of Ares and doomsday and all those yeah they have their own version of that and it's better than that but it's still annoying <laughs> but the other thing that's cool about this flashback is that we're giving some of the dead characters a little screen time yeah you know just kind of through cameos so we can feel better about their deaths because they suck well because you're like what the I wanted to see Pete Davidson. I love SNL. You know, okay, he just does a little walk on, you know. At least you get a little something from each of the Weasel being a fucking weirdo, you know. You get a little bit from all these guys. Weasel got all uh snozberries taste like snozberries <laughs> on that window. Yes. Bloodsport's daughter comes to visit him in prison. She has a, a pending case against her, and Waller is using that as leverage against him. That was a passionate conversation. Yeah, there's a lot of fuck yous in that scene, but um, I know that this was originally written as Deadshot for Will Smith, and he couldn't do it, and he backed out. And I'm like, okay, is that why they're playing this thing with the daughter? Because the daughter was a big part of the first one. They rewrote it when it, Idris Elba was cast, and like, okay, let's do Bloodsport. So I, I was wondering if that was the reason that they had included her, but gives pretty good leverage over this guy. And, and she's going to go to adult prison. Yeah, and she's basically saying, and I can have people killed in prison. But when he hears this and lunges at her, and everyone in the room jumps, and she doesn't fucking flinch, this is what I love about these type of movies where they're casting like the highest caliber, you know, Oscar level actors yeah. in comic book movies because we still get these great bits of drama in there you know yeah they sell it yeah like i know people are here for spectacle and shit but i still just love watching great actors face off and that was fantastic i mean the spectacle is second for me because that's if this didn't have such i mean really skilled actors across the board like i yeah john cena is not arnold schwarzenegger where i love yeah. arnold schwarzenegger but it's like but you know he's bad yeah where john cena is uh -huh. like he has a a lane that if he stays in it, he's a very engaging actor and entertaining. Yeah, I think of like Trainwreck was the first time I saw him in a movie, yes. and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because that's the he's same. Good. That's the same kind of vibe of like 
He's not an idiot, but there's a certain self-awareness that he doesn't have. Not because he's dumb, but just because he doesn't. He's not seeing things the way everyone else. Are, are yeah, seeing and it. I think he was in Daddy's Home too with Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Actually, I did not. And see was that. pretty good in that too. I think he does this thing where a person who isn't necessarily really good at acting, if you tried to make them emote, then it wouldn't turn out very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you just have them be flat all the time and they can be flat, then you're like cool like they're <laughs> they're not challenged because the challenge might show their inability so like we'll just stay here and the thing that you can do and you actually do that pretty well so just do your thing yeah and they ask a little bit of him later when like he's doing things that maybe he doesn't want to do yeah but he's yeah. not like weeping or anything he's him, just kind of like him and joel kinnaman when they face off later i was very impressed with john cena in that scene yeah and you get this sort of remorse in his eyes Multiple times throughout the scene that we were not talking about yet. But. Yeah, that I, I was just really impressed with. And and you're right. I think that his style is sort of, if you look at pre-movie star Will Ferrell, and he was kind of coming up with that Ron Burgundy style that he a- applied to a lot of characters on SNL, uh-huh. it's sort of that. It's the very deadpan, very straight version. But from what we saw in the third act, I really think that John Cena could become a, a great leading man. Like, yeah. Rock does a lot more with passionate faces and things like that but I was just thinking Dwayne that, Johnson I thought you were saying Chris, range. Chris Rock oh. <laughs> yes <laughs> no, that's where he's going Chris Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson I was just thinking that professional wrestling would actually be really good like yeah. training for this because it doesn't matter what the character is the point is you're that thing and you're serious you know you can't break and smile yeah. in front of these like thousands of people and then the video cameras and stuff like that so you really have to not just stay in the character but even just him being able to to like keep straight faces and stuff i think professional wrestling actually makes like a really good training into staying in like a mindset and delivering in a unbroken way that's a great point actually and uh tune into (laughs) evan's wrestling podcast how to make a mark yeah yeah (laughs) i was thinking about wrestling the other day and just that if it goes the way that all culture seems like it's going eventually it's just going to be seven minutes and the first three minutes are two guys just like staring at each other making faces getting angry and then uh, like a sizzle reel of three minutes of cool moves from different (laughs) angles and that's what every wrestling match will be there'll be no story no talking it'll just be the angry faces and and then some moves and then that's a whole match so it's just going to go the way of gonzo porn is that's what you're saying yes everything is gonzo now (laughs) eyeball zoom in So I I went and saw this movie in the theater just to enjoy it. And then when I got home, I watched it on HBO so I could take the notes. And I turned on subtitles the second time because we got out of the movie, me and Ange, and the first thing we said, like, what is King Shark's name? It sounds like everyone's got marble mouth when they say his name. (laughs) It's like an N and a bunch of vowels. And so I put on the, the subtitles, and it's Nanawe, which a lot of people are probably be like, yeah, you fucking idiot. You never heard that before? I'm like, I'm sorry. I was raised in Eugene. I never heard Nanawe. You didn't read all the King Shark comics? Yeah, I did not. <laughs> yeah, you don't have the trade paperbacks? Yeah. So uh, anyway, I clarified that for anyone else who was like, what the fuck are they saying? Um, Is Nanawe related to the street sharks in any way? <laughs> I would be surprised. Sure. I don't know. But they introduce him reading a book upside down, which reminds me 
exactly of Ben Stiller's character in Dodgeball when he comes down the stairs reading the dictionary <laughs> and uh, Christine Taylor is giving him shit and he's like, oh yeah, I also like to break a mental sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and just setting him up as the lovable moron from the beginning. Ratcatcher is my kind of person. I can see she's sleeping late, aggravated when she gets awoke, and loves animals. So... Um, Her cadence check, throughout check, this check. movie is one of my favorite things. Just She's fantastic. Every time she is trying to convince Bloodsport that Sebastian is a good, nice rat, he's like, oh, he brought you a leaf. Yeah, he's he like, wants to be fuck close what I want to you. Leaf. <laughs> he's waving. He likes you. Why, why is, <laughs> like, is that rat waving at me? Like, yes. Why? No, no way. You wouldn't eat me, would you? <laughs> I love her. She's fantastic. Has she been in anything? I don't think so, because... I would see panels with the cast, and they'd kind of introduce everybody, and they'd be like, and you guys are all going to love Daniela. She's amazing, right? But I got the impression that she's kind of a newcomer. Uh, yeah, she was good. I like how sweet and gentle she is by contrast, because everything, everybody else is so gruff, and the visuals are so intense, and then she's so soft-spoken and kind. Yeah, yeah. she's not even, we're like polka dot. Man, is that his character? Yeah, Polka Dot Man yeah, Polka Dot is Man. like, he's nice, but he's also insane and has serious issues. Where like, she's well, the only one of them who yeah. is not a violent psycho, but not also like some kind of repressed interior psycho. Yeah, uh-huh. she's just like, she's just had a shitty life with a junkie dad yeah. and it's made some bad decisions. Yeah, exactly. And the way that Dasmalchian plays Polka Dot Man. I think maybe one of his first lines in the film was when they're in front of the sort of PowerPoint Amanda Waller presentation of like going to Cordo Maltese. You know, someone's like, oh, fuck, we're all going to die. And he turns and with the deepest sincerity and just such a disturbed look in his eyes, says, I hope so. And <laughs> it was not like he didn't play it in a comic way. And that's what made it funny is yeah. that it was believable he's a really good actor too he was great in this and and people know him from the dark knight uh he was also in gotham he's been in a lot of dc blade runner 2049 but yeah for as dumb as his character is i was impressed by his performance and that he has maybe the deadliest powers of all of them i think that's <laughs> polka dots yeah I but, think but that's i didn't realize it's... that they were like some fucking like acid shit you know like <laughs> I mean, you could take down a whole... He did take down a whole building yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah, even by the time we got to the end, I, I was like, but Polka Dot Man could actually do <laughs> yeah. some damage on Starro. Like, he's got the power that could actually do something. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. The the dots just penetrate whatever. Yeah. You know? Like, dude, this he could actually take this dude down. Which would have been funny if he... It was fine that it played out how it played out. But if he but was the hero, yeah, it would. Yeah, it would have been pretty dope to have this nobody hero uh, play like a bigger role by the time that the end comes around. Well, we do have another nobody hero who ultimately does save the day. But present day, we cut back to uh, Javelin is dying in a ditch and gives his weapon to Harley with his last breath, and uh, she is immediately captured. Now. There is some humor that doesn't land for me throughout the movie. And this is one of them. This is, I think, the first one where, you know, he's like, hold on to it for, and dies. And she's like, hold on to it for what? And then all the people come with their guns, and she's like going on and on and on. Like, yeah. And uh, 
and slap in his face, which was a little bit funny, but like I, I just thought there are enough great gags in this movie that for some of them that feel really contrived, that was one of my only letdowns. Well, I thought they did a pretty good job of avoiding this, but that seemed like a symptom of kind of like what you were talking about, Evan, of like, well, let's follow the trends. Let's go where the money is. We're like, what do we know? It's that Our audiences people, are stupid. <laughs> they are <they're> stupid. <laughs> oh, let's give them stupid yeah, jokes. Yeah, but, let's give them what makes sense. That people love that character. doesn't seem to matter what we put her in. They love that character. So, like, let's just lean on that. And that was one that I agree with you. wasn't very funny. But I give the movie credit for not doing that too often. No, they don't. They don't. The movie is very, very, very funny. But there are just a couple of forced laughs in it where, because I'm so bought in, like, I'm watching it in the theater, and I'm mm. like, <laughs> oh, wait, why did I laugh at that? That wasn't even, <laughs> like, you know, that wasn't I that hate good. myself. <laughs> like, starting at the face slapping, that was too much for me, and, and it pushed the button. Especially for a character who is very familiar with death. I know that she's not in like a standard mental state all the time, <laughs> but I think that she knows when a person passes later on, she will make them pass herself. Uh, I like, think they do a good job in this one, though, of not doing my chief Harley complaint from writers, and that is making silly into stupid. Because yeah. they still treat her as an intelligent character through this movie, even when she's fucking around a lot. I think that for the most part, she gets better every time. And I think that's because she has a little more control, a little more clout over how her character is portrayed. But yeah, I think that whether or not you like the movies, the way Harley is portrayed each time has been better and I mean, better. I'm just going to keep fucking up your order. That is one of my big pros. Just yeah. that character. I mean, her performance as that character. Oh, yeah. In a movie of great performances and funny characters is just, she's really nailed that. And I, I want to see another movie with her as that character with a different context and a different kind of setting. And that's kind of the fun thing is that every time we've seen her has been a totally different thing. And, and I really hope that the next time we see her will be another one that's more focused on her because she didn't need to be the star of this movie and she no. wasn't. No. They really let Idris Elba and John Cena take the reins and it's for the best in this movie. But it does leave you wanting more and I, I fingers crossed that we someday get a, a Harley and Ivy movie because she has mentioned before like i know i'm pushing for it too guys i want that so yeah it could be cool i was just thinking that like maybe this is the defining line where stuff steps into like i think this joke is stupid if you consider the perspective of the audience and who the line is intended for so like if a person makes a joke in a group setting mm -hmm. because they're chopping it up with other characters then they're saying funny stuff to these other people, and we as the audience are just like privy to their thing. Yeah. But if like the person passes and you were in a setting like that, you probably don't continue to talk to dead person. Because there's no so, audience for your jokes. <laughs> yeah, because it's not between you and that one person. Like how many scenarios between two people, like, well, the conversation would just end. But in this case, it's for us, the audience to think is funny and rather than us just being like spectators to this thing now it's like just like ham-fisted to me because i'm a dullard or something and and but you are that's fair <laughs> yeah yeah totally but somehow sophisticated <laughs> enough to not think that this is 
No, that's a really good way of uh, describing why that joke doesn't land. You know, if I don't think that those kind of jokes are funny in other stuff, I think it's because it's like designed for you, the audience, versus the character and the character or the other group of characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next scene has a bit of character development for everyone, which I'm not going to go through, but the biggest thing is King Shark tries to eat Ratcatcher in her sleep. They have this kind of confrontation. It reveals a little bit about everybody there, but she said, well, you wouldn't eat your friends, would you? And he's like, no. You know, but like, (laughs) from a shark, a CGI shark's face, you're actually getting some emotion there and like, I don't have any friends, you know? And so she offers to be his friend (laughs) <laughs> with the agreement that he won't eat her. The way that scene ends with her shaking the hand, I was like, this is lingering so long. Is she I, thought he was gonna, I thought he was yeah. going to try to bite yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was just like, gonna, hey, here's some goofy character doing something silly. and He's going to take it back. Yeah. That becomes a, a, a callback later in the film, which is the only reason I really brought it up. But yeah, I, this is another just kind of good good scene for everybody so you you care a little bit more about the new team that you were just introduced to. One thing that I thought was kind of cool about his character, that they give him the solid black actual shark eyes. Yeah. You know, it's like the same thing that made Jaws creepy or what makes an actual shark look kind of scary. Because in, in another animated thing like this other CG cartoon, they give him the whole like white eyeball, yeah. but a black pupil. And that instantly makes them look more cartoony, mm-hmm. you know, and he doesn't have eyebrows because that would be cartoony. Um <laughs> how are they going to like show some stuff in his face when his eyeballs can't be like revealing that he doesn't like look in a direction his head would have to turn and stuff. how are you going to like show some emotion on his face when his eyeballs are devoid like that? Yeah. And he took the Jared Leto approach shaving his eyebrows off for yeah. this role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sending them rats. I thought that's what you're oh, no, no. So committed. He, I think what really makes him work is that he, he has no malice whatsoever. He's like extremely violent and dangerous, but it never, he's like an animal. It never seems, mm-hmm. he's never yeah. doing it out of like meanness. He just is hungry and he's going to eat you. That's all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what my reaction would be had I not been watching this Harley Quinn series on HBO and, and, and DCU before that. Because King Shark is part of her, her crew. But he's not an idiot. Or is yeah. he an idiot? He is a really funny, really nice kind of dummy who if someone like happens to get a cut on their finger or something, he's like, <laughs> and fucking freaks out and uh, bites uh, people's heads off and shit. And so blood rage, it's played very similarly to this, except he has a lot more funny dialogue. Uh, Ron Funches. I don't know if you know him. Uh, he's basically playing himself. Okay. He just talks like himself and it's, it's hilarious, but I already loved the character from that. And this is not, too terribly different so I, I was already just like yes they're using him and the way I saw they use him in the trailer is like okay and they're using him for comedy like this is gonna be good yeah and again like you mentioned the best shot of the movie is when he fucking rips a guy in half the lightning you, strikes behind him cause you think he's gonna bite the guy's head off like he's been doing and he just pulls the guy apart from two sides not from the waist apart down, down the middle yeah hot dog not yeah. hamburger yeah and uh god yeah, we get some great shark moments in this. <laughs> if, if somebody was to describe me as a person, I would want 
them to describe me the way that you just described King Shark. <laughs> he's not kind too smart, dummy, but he's but pretty funny. Yeah, and then he really, freaks out and kills people. Really kind, really funny, kind of dumb. <laughs> a little bit of blood makes him go nuts. So here yeah. the, the squad <laughs> takes out an entire camp of people one by one, including a guy with a t-shirt and his dick out like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah. for, I felt like no the, the, how comfortable this gang of resistance fighters is with each other and yeah. with themselves. That's really great. Yeah. We're really a family here, you know. This scene reminded me of Predator. Yes, we're like this is yeah. the scene like where we watch our badass heroes fight these normal people like they're nothing, so that later when they fight the real enemy, we get like oh. But then that never came for me because even at the end when they fought Starro, it's like it's a big starfish. It's not. Yeah. They never went toe to toe with someone who's like really tough. But this felt like Predator because of that. And then I thought that was funny because the woman who's the head of the resistance fighter was in Predators. Oh, really? As one of the people that the Predators <laughs> are using. Oh, that's funny. That's good. I love this scene because it does show all that badass stuff. You know, we get the banter between them like we talked about. And. <laughs> Then the twist, and the twist is what makes the scene something we haven't seen before, because they go to rescue Flag, and he's fine. And the lady is like, why didn't my people alert me <laughs> that you've arrived? And they're like, I didn't see anyone. <laughs> After they, I mean, they must have killed 15 people going everyone in there. Everyone in the know? camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone in the camp between them and the headquarters. Yeah. And turns out that they were rebel allies fighting the government, you know. But that's what I mean in the sense of, like, there are no stakes because those were the closest thing we had to good guys, and our good yeah. guys just murdered all of them. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't, I'm not rooting for anyone. <laughs> yeah, but whereas in the first one, they had to tell you a bunch of times, each character had to be like, they'd be like, why are you doing, because we're the bad guys, remember? You know, like, uh-huh. there. hey, last time he was like, no, just do a Harley impression. Well, there you go. I guess that's my... No, give me a pudding. A little bit. No. Oh, I figured it out. I figured it out what it is. When people <laughs> say pudding, and they emphasize the D and the, and the second ha- uh-huh. syllable there, that's what ruins it. Because when I watch the first one again, she says that sometimes. I'm like, God, even you shouldn't say it. But she says it once in the club scene where it's just a pudding. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's the thing. Pudin. That's the key. Huh. That's the Arlene Sorkin key right uh-huh. there. It's the pudding. It's, the, it's, it's like pudding. It just mushes together. Just run it all together. But when people try to do it, then I was like, hey, pudding. I'm like, stop it. I... Mm. Makes you me want to stab me. I want to punch the screen when people say that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, now we cut to Thinker explaining Project Starfish to the new president. Uh, you know, Waller had explained that there was a coup. We have new leadership over there, and that's why we're headed there to Cordo Maltese. We see these face hugger spores, these mini Starro starfishes with the giant eyeball in the in the front that he controls. His victims, and this gives him power, makes him grow, feeds off it. It's not dissimilar to the army of eyeball people that Enchantress created in the first one. It's just played much cooler. And there's the thing in Invincible, too, which... Uh, yeah, I thought of that, but I couldn't think of what they were. They were like squids or something like that, or huh. some kind of little things that attached yeah. to your head. They did, there wasn't a big it, one yeah. in charge of them, but it was the same idea. Yeah. <laughs> Rick and Morty had a thing like that, too, recently. Anyway. So it's fucking unoriginal and stupid. Even using Starro as like such a deep DC cut that that's just like, what random villain? When they just like pulled straws and landed on Starro. But that's what I mean in the sense of like, because they commit to it. So Uh in this world, a giant alien starfish is a genuine threat. It's a joke, but it's not really a joke. It's 
to me it didn't feel any dumber than like Mothra or something honestly like it it should have but because of the ridiculousness of the rest of the movie like they didn't play it as straight as Godzilla or something uh-huh. and the movie didn't start in the first 20 minutes with Starro fucking up buildings and shit and then uh-huh. they oh they gotta go yeah. and it's a whole thing it was just sort of like a, we hinted at it there's a thing and we just get it for the last 30 minutes or whatever that was a very good use of it because when it was announced that that's what they were using I was like what the fuck? But I thought he made me love people I had literally never heard of any of the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh-huh. and he made me cry. I will trust this man to sure. deliver Starro, and he did. Well, and the fact that the people they send to fight the big starfish alien are mainly just guys with guns. Yeah, I like that. Versus, I mean, because Superman is the guy who would come and clean Starro up, or uh, or Green Lantern, or somebody. Well, yeah, because he was. Introduced as the Justice League's first foil, uh, yeah, in like that's, 1960 or something. That's who a big alien starfish is for. It's for the super guys, not not the people who all have a bunch of guns and yeah. rap sheets. Yeah, yes. it deserves that category of of hero. Only galactic heroes. Yeah, you need Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter for that. Yeah, I love it way more when the giant monster that's trashing the city is a, a kind of a cute character. <laughs> like, like if. Jigglypuff was destroying New York City or something. Which is not too Marshmallow Man. Yeah. I'm saying Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. Like the Marshmallow Man. Yeah, give me a Jigglypuff or um, Kirby or something. That'd be good. Harley goes from being held prisoner in a mud hole, like fucking Jesse Pinkman in the last season of Breaking Bad, <laughs> to all dolled up. They dress her. They put on her makeup and all this. And she becomes the guest of honor at the new president's home. And she's very caught off guard as he wines and dines her. Uh, he eventually asks for her hand in marriage the same night. They fuck. He reveals his diabolical plan. And then she realizes that she's falling into her bad habits, which is what the last two movies have been about, is <laughs> trying to get out of that shit. And off screen shoots the guy while he's in the middle of saying his, his plan. And I thought, this is perfect Harley arc that we're witnessing over these three <laughs> movies. Like, I fucking love it. And she even makes a similar comment, like, in uh, Dark Prince Charming. And guys, we're referencing some episodes that haven't come out yet because we wanted to get this one out sooner. But Are you talking to us? No. Oh. The poster is on your wall. It's like that scene in Dark Prince Charming where she reaches to grab the necklace from his utility belt or whatever and was like, like, I hate your bat guts, but I like your bat butt, or something like that, you know? Uh-huh. In this, she says... Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Big, glorious, beautiful... But she's well, like she said, I'm like, going to miss... You You sure were pretty, and I'm definitely going to miss that big, beautiful monster between your legs. Yeah, I think that's what it was. <laughs> I thought I fucking wrote it down, but I guess I didn't. But yeah, I, I love that, and here sets off the ultimate Harley scene in the movie. And it's cool that she's kind of... She gets the leading actor treatment in that she's away from the whole rest of the team. A good chunk of the movie mm. does crazy amount of things with no help. Um, she's the most Batman-like of anyone in this because she has uh-huh. the least reason to be as badass as she is. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, we've seen it before, but... In fact, I thought this drew a lot from Birds of Prey in the action sequences they shot in the middle, particularly at the GCPD where there are jail cells lined on both sides, 
and she's going to rescue Cassandra, there's this crazy whole fight sequence when in the sprinklers going off, uh-huh. you know, the fire uh-huh. alarm, that is very similar to this scene, you know, where she's using the cell doors as weapons and flipping over these guys. And that move she does where she tears off part of her dress, wraps it around the guy's hand who's got a knife, flips behind him, and makes him slit his own throat with his own hand uh, mm. and his own knife was fucking brutal yeah. as fuck. And the effect um, of it, of like, it's like bobbing head. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic. It, it really was like they took certain sets from that and just went, okay, well, let's build on that even more. And like the javelin is not unlike that same scene where she goes and is doing the whole bat fight. And there's no bat, there's no mallet in this one, but she gets the javelin and it does the same thing, you yeah. know? You talked about Dark Prince Charming, and I was going to say that the way that Harley treats the end of that interaction is the way that I feel about how Joker in Dark Prince Charming just treats people and interactions and death in general. Yeah. Like, she exhibits the kind of nonchalance that that character made me feel like, where this either goes two ways. You live or you die after we finish talking. (laughs) And uh, in this case, you die. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And in action movies, I always feel like many, many people get dispatched really quickly, you know, two hits or something, one and done or whatever. (laughs) But you have these random scenes where like one dude in particular gets it like way worse than everybody else. And you end up feeling kind of bad. Well, she, she stabs that guy in a way that's just like when Batman gets stabbed in the shoulder in uh, the warehouse scene. Yeah. Well, the, I mean the dude gets his hand broken in the arm between the door and then gets bashed in the face. Like, Oh my God. Like everybody else got killed so quickly. Like leave. What's his deal? Or even the torturer (laughs) when she, I just want to give credit to that scene when she lifts him off the ground, both watching her do the full, like, lifts her body up to then grab him. But just the way they shot that scene, because she's, like, choking him, breaks his neck, lets him go, and then the camera gives you a nice shot of, like, him hitting the ground and then his head bouncing off the pavement. (laughs) Just an extra, like, oh, yeah. And watching that scene, I just thought, that'd be a good way to go. Yeah, he was dead before he hit the ground. Like Ben is saying, though, you get, if you have a character like, Black Widow, where the whole story is you are a trained professional. But as far as I know, Harley was like a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Or she worked at a bank or something like that. Or she worked at a bank. I think you know she didn't work in a bank. One of the Harleys did. Yeah, one of the Harley and White Knight works at a bank. What? Yeah, the second yeah. Harley. Oh, fucking Sean Murphy. You're fucking yeah. shit up, Sean Murphy. <laughs> He's not going to invite you to any of his movie prayers if you talk to him. <laughs> oh my God. I, was like, I was like, what are you talking about? What Harley works in a bank? No one ever heard of it. Oh, he yeah, you're right. Inside, no you're more right. Batman than Sam does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First Ragman, now this. He's the real yes. deep cut <laughs> comics guy. You, your stock is plummeting, <laughs> Sam. But how does she have the physical strength to lift herself up? And another dude enough to kill him after being shocked a whole bunch of times and then dispatch two baker's dozen goons. Like, I don't know how she can do this, but she can do this. And I was on board. It didn't bother me. I wasn't like, this is too much. No, it, I, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, like, oh, this doesn't make sense, but whatever. I'm glad you brought that up, though, because the torture scene <laughs> and the shocking, that also reminded so me hot. of <laughs> Birds. <laughs> shut up. That also reminded me of Birds of Prey. Because Black Mask and Victor Zaz have the knife to her throat and are, you know, killing her and she has to she has to bargain. 
and come up with something really quickly and, and kind of rely on her wits to get out of the situation. And in this one, she's also going to outsmart it by playing dead, but we're counting on her toughness, that she can take all this shit like Bruce Willis and Die Hard or yes, something, yeah. or uh, Mel Gibson. Or Batman. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> that she can just take it and then play dead and still have enough left in the tank to pull uh-huh. off these crazy feats. And I love seeing action Harley. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, It's more fun than a lot of characters because she's resourceful, just uses the shit around her, as opposed to being a trained marksman who always has a million guns or okay, yeah. something like that, or always has the utility belt or whatever. Like She's just going to... Jason Bourne, everyone. Exactly. Yeah. I love the end of that scene. She's in the the hallway taking out the dudes and it kind of felt a little like the matrix lobby. Yes. Old boys that it reminded me of. Yeah. Old boy. But then all the colorful flower effects and how cool that is by contrast. Cartoon birds. Yeah. And And then the little like video game, like javelin weapon pick up. Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought that part was really weird because I, I wonder like, is this one of those cases where they got hit with an NC 17 rating? And they're like, okay, you guys got to do something about the blood. There's too much blood. And they're like, okay, let's just make this part like more out of body dream experience. I hope so because that's a great, a great I way to go with it. That's my yeah, only guess because there's no thematic relevance. There's yeah, no explanation it has given. No setup either. There's not like sometimes she sees a colorful world when yeah. she murders. There's none of that. And and like if it had happened right after she got shocked or something, and we saw. Like in Birds of Prey, you uh, literally get that shit or passed out and she thinks she's Marilyn Monroe for a second. You know, like, this didn't show any sort of mental strain. I took it like she's in a, like, state of euphoria. Like, she's so in her zone that that's how she feels and we're just seeing it. Yeah. Or that maybe that's just kind of the world that she exists in is fun and cartoony like that and that's her perspective yeah i can't remember the name of it but there was a a shooter like a 64 shooter where one of the modes was like flower mode so that's how you played the game instead like big head mode or something i think but i know what you're talking about like yeah colorful uh flower explosions instead of blood that's what it made me think of all right, so while this Harley shit's happening, we're cutting back and forth with the squad, and Polka Dot Man explains his history being experimented on at Star Labs by his own mom, and this is where we begin the running gag of him seeing her on everyone around him. Just hearing John Cena call him Norman Bates made me <laughs> laugh. <laughs> laugh uh-huh. The squad meets their escort, Milton, and kills everyone in sight while uh, Milton's in the van terrified. And we get to see Sylvester Stallone, or here rather, talk like an Ewok and say, nom nom, and devour a guy. And I could not believe James Gunn got him to do that. Especially like <laughs> at what age, 70 or something. Yeah. Like It's so funny to me. Ratcatcher gives her her junkie father flashback. And I thought this was expertly directed in that they're on the bus, She's telling you things. They're visualizing the flashback things, but they're never cutting away from the bus. It's happening in the reflection next to her head on the bus as shit's passing by in the periphery. It's at night, so the bus window is very visible. It's a good place for it. And we're never actually taken out of the scene. That was a really clever way of doing that. I've never, that I can think of, seen that integrated in such a way. It's pretty cool. 
I or like rarely, I have, but I can't. Rarely, yeah. yeah. I, as you were describing that, I was thinking, kind of what her delivery style reminds me of is Lilu from The Fifth Element. Just something about the way her cadence and like everything is positive, and also it's always kind of a question a little <laughs> bit. And this leads the squad to stake out a club to apprehend the thinker. It's where he goes after hours after work, and the military shows up looking for Americans. They're on to them, right? And so they give themselves up as a diversion. Ratcatcher and Polka Dot Man slip out with the thinker, and <laughs> one reviewer was offended by the humor in this movie, citing this scene as an example. Do you want a dozen rodents crawling up your ass? My answer might not be what you expect. Huh. A reviewer was offended by that? Yeah, and I was like, out of all the things in this movie, you're going to let a little gerbil joke be the thing? A Richard was, Gere joke is going to set you off? Yeah, I was going to say, was that reviewer Richard Gere? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've complained about this before, but that goes back to my whole thing of like, we have such a weird... Values? Yeah, I mean, what we're okay with and what we're not, that like, even though it's over the top, the extremity of the violence in this movie... Oh, yeah. It's insane. And then so to let that be the thing, <laughs> like, that is mind-boggling. I know. I could understand if someone saw this and was like, you know, the violence in this movie is disgusting. People every day are being killed in horrible ways and like to... And I don't want to see this for entertainment. Yeah, this is, that's, that's disgusting and tasteless. But to, to see this and go like, that's fucking cool, but that joke. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's too yeah. much. The humor is really taste, tasteless. Far. Yeah. Idris Elba in a beret. <laughs> too far. <laughs> like a sport coat over a tank top. Oh, my word. You know what I like about Idris Elba in this movie? He's not doing an accent. Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah. That's just let cool. him speak with his accent. Yeah. I just like this scene in general, getting to see them out of costume humanize them yeah. extremely. Like seeing John Cena in cargo shorts and a polo shirt dancing badly. Or just in his underwear. <laughs> just in the underwear. That was like, that felt like a, a fan service kind of thing. Cause it's a long, slow pan where you see his full body in profile. And then they zoom in on his junk later. <laughs> I had heard the cast joking about how like, uh, yeah, he walked around like that on set and um, <laughs> it is real. We all saw it. <laughs> <laughs> John Cena's like me. He just walks around in his underpants all the time. Yeah, except you do that in strangers' houses when we were on tour. <laughs> well, apparently he does it on set. Yeah. <laughs> There's the one shot where they walk out of something and he's rocking that like little polo shirt, but it's just like five inches too short, yep. so you get this like belly shot. There's uh, an amazing car crash escape sequence that happens right after this because they all gave themselves up. They're all in the back of this military Humvee. And they come up with this move that they're all going to do to take out their... Each, each one has their own guard. They take them out, whatever. But there's this great scene where Cena's reaching through to get the driver, knock him out, right? And then the other guy's trying to take the wheel. And, you know, obviously all this is while they're going 60 miles an hour on the freeway. Other cars, crazy shit happening. I am so entertained. This is amazing. Well, that's another scene I want to give credit to because even more than the earlier Predator scene where Peacemaker and Bloodsport are taking out everyone in the camp without anyone seeing them, the scene of these three guys restrained in the back of a van with soldiers guarding them, yeah. describing this like elite martial arts move, and then the soldier's like, well, that's, no, that's just an accident. That never actually happens. And then all three of them do, it. do a different version of the move. Like that, more than anything in this movie, Sets them as like, oh yeah, these guys are like the baddest assassins trained from birth. Yeah. That's by yeah. the way, 
that the first time we watched that, the guy who Bloodsport is talking to, the guard, across from him, I leaned over to Ange and I was like, that's is that the main bad guy? No, I said, yeah. that's Josh Brolin, right? Because he looks like a South American Josh Brolin, and he's begun to pop up in random places. Uh-huh. And a lot of comic book movies now, and I'm like, I, I swear to God, that's him. And when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, it's not. But was uh, the, 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 you get a two, like a three-second shot of the woman dancing in the bar. Was that um, the woman from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? The bug woman? Yeah, I thought so. Mantis? Yeah, Mantis. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I thought that it was. I know that someone told me that Lloyd Kaufman is in that scene as an extra. So I I think there's probably a number of people he snuck into that little cantina scene. Uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. In that same scene, I think it's dope that they, like you said, they all do a different version of this same maneuver. But it's not like they previously discussed this thing. So... When, when your skills are that high and your teamwork is that high and your nonverbal communication is that good that just this conversation that I'm having with this other dude lets you guys know that we're about to kill these we're guys. We're all going to do the Shige Ryu together or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And so well, now that they've escaped and no one died somehow from the crash. I, I, I really thought his arm was going to get taken off and that was going to uh, be yeah. the thing for the rest of well, the movie. Because well, you see the two superheroes walk out of the wreckage first and then Flag steps out behind them and I was like, oh no, he's going to be hurt. And he was fine. Yeah. And then it shows on the screen the big title of like, you know, Operation whatever and they're going to Project Starfish and Flag's like, no man left behind. We got to go after Harley. And they're like, Change the graphics on the screen. I like that nobody complained yeah, or resisted like, either. <laughs> they were just like, we have something we have to do first. He's like, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if you were in a truck like that going over a cliff, that'd be like the roller skating and the box truck jackass. And, and your arm was through the front gate into the cabin. Dude, that's what I was thinking. He was just going to take his arm off at the shoulder. and It must have kicked him back into the... Uh, the rear of the truck again. Or they just didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I've said this joke before, but a family guy, you know, they're like, oh, don't worry. We got like six main characters in here. We'll be fine. You know, this movie, <laughs> I mean, I even thought when I was watching this and they kill so many people right out of the gate, I was like, oh no, are they going to kill Harley? Because she's done three of these now. Yeah, that could be enough. She said she's going to take a break from the character because she's done a few in a row. And I was like, oh, fuck, is that code? Oh, God, she's going to die. Like, I I really thought, and uh, I was glad they didn't. So the gag from the trailer happens here when they are all assembled on the side of the building, and they're going to bust in and and rescue Harley from the new president's estate. And she just walks out like, hey, guys, what you doing? Uh, After she murdered all those people. And uh, they all kind of go to ambush the Jodenheim place where Project Starfish exists. Well, before that, we have the where they're interrogating uh, the thinker on the roof. And this is the only yes. other real egregious one of those jokes where I thought they went too far. Is they're like, if you do this, we'll kill you. If you do that, we'll kill you. And then Harley's the like... personalized license plate? Yeah, it just felt like another, like... That was in the trailer, yeah. too, which I thought was okay. But her best joke in that scene was when it carries on and they're still interrogating him and it's getting more serious and there's no jokes and she's like, I am pacing back and forth. Yeah, it's like you the know? I love yeah, lamps kind of joke. <laughs> yeah. like, they should, that should have been the one joke yes. in that scene up for her because it was funny anyway, but it would have been funnier without the setup. Yeah. 
I think that her one part was like a little much, but then Flag's follow up was actually like kind of okay. <laughs> yeah. He was like, yeah, but also, you know, don't do that. Yeah, stupid. don't take this as an encouragement to cough with your mouth open. <laughs> yeah, but don't actually don't do that. I laughed at that in the trailer, but honestly, it had not much replay value. Like, I didn't remember the trailer. See, yeah, that's why I don't watch trailers. Well, I'm saying I watched the movie twice in a row, too. It wasn't like that big, but both times the the <laughs> unexpected one <laughs> got me. Yeah, the uh, pacing back and forth thing gave me real uh, like loud noises, Anchorman <laughs> yeah. vibes. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, good. Thinker leads Flag and Ratcatcher into this subterranean level to uh, Starro and his many hosts or victims. They've got the eyes on him, and you start to realize, like, oh, if he's got the thing on it, he can make that person speak as sorrow, as himself. And so all these people are turning, like, are you here to rescue me? He's tortured me for years and all this, you know. And Thinker reveals that these experiments have actually been carried on by the U.S. It's like a Guantanamo Bay. They didn't want U.S. soil. Exactly. Yeah. Classic United States of America. I've even seen people complain about that. He's got some anti-American sentiments or whatever. I'm like, you mean, like... Real life parallels, if you yeah. want to put it that way, but <laughs> like history, like, Jesus what? Christ, yeah. <laughs> I saw something where I, I, it's one of those articles I didn't read where it's like James Gunn is okay with the review bombing, and I was like, I wonder what they're review bombing about because nowadays there's a million things. Yeah, that- right. <laughs> James Gunn is okay with it because he's still hella paid. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's a slight issue with the writing. In this, where it's revealed that the U.S. was in on it the whole time, flag breaks. What we've seen in the previous film especially, but like, I'm a soldier, I take orders, you know, that's what we do, right? He goes, oh my God, like, we've heard about entire families sent here, experimentation on children, right? Mm -hmm. That was where he drew the line. Butts in, he steals the hard drive, which he just took a random hard drive, but but, I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was impressive. Yeah, he steals the hard drive... And he's like, no, I'm taking this to the media. Like, the world has to know what we've done here. Peacemaker comes in and draws a gun on him. And Flag is just, he doubles down. And it's like, no, they experimented on children, right? Okay, now let me go back to a couple other quotes in the movie. Okay. Earlier, the weasel line, Flag <laughs> says the words, well, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children. That came out of his mouth yeah. <laughs> earlier, right? And then it's not also, as a joke. You believe that he did kill those children. Yeah. But there was also Harley's speech about red flags after she shoots her fiance and he's bleeding out there. He has said that he sends, you know, families in there, or whatever. Killing kids is a red flag. Yeah, and she says that. And so there's a couple other kids' things, but one of them is so contrary that it's like, let's throw this joke in there, but it undercut what they did later. Well, and they did half the work because Peacemaker has made it clear multiple times that he has no line. Yeah. He's just about protecting America and America's interests. He could have said that joke. Yeah, he could have said that joke. And that so it, him being the foil for this part, this little like near end yes. works really well. That's been set up. But yeah, having that be Flag's Hill that he's gonna die on is not set up. And it's interesting too, because for the most part, it's Bloodsport and Peacemaker who have been at odds in the rest of the film. Yeah. But it works very well. I mean, he just kind of, that's his role to play in this. And again, I love that they've humanized Flag more in this version. We get a well-rounded human being this time and not just a soldier who also has a conflict of interest with his girlfriend. What they need, though, is a scene earlier where he finds out they're doing the horrible things they're doing to get Starro and he has some sort of, like, crisis over it. 
But they haven't made a movie where that kind of scene works. Yeah, I, I don't think that's needed. It's just more of a just caught that contradiction on the second viewing. Like the first time I watched it, I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, that's fucked up. You should tell people about it. And then the second time when he said the joke at the top of the movie, I was like, oh, but that's your whole thing in this movie. No, but they killed like way more than 26 kids. They killed like <laughs> 70 or 80. Yeah, yeah, there you go. A that's bad the amount. <laughs> All right, so here an explosion goes off and frees Starro. He reaches up and grabs Thinker rips him apart. Ratcatcher comes in as Flag and Peacemaker are fighting. And this is a a very grounded scene. This is a real face-to-face gnarly fight. Well, I was watching it thinking like this is what the Batman versus Superman fight wishes it was. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I was like this is kind of what that scene would have been if they hadn't botched the ending, like it's really kind of disturbing to watch these two characters you like go at it. So and maintained through the scene, like we were talking earlier is like peacemakers like regret that he's even in the situation in the first place. Yeah. For someone who, and for a movie as a whole, who treats violence so casually, once he gives that final jab, especially, and I thought I'll say this too. I thought the flag was going to kill him because uh-huh. he's on top of him. He's got the pipe on his neck or whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. I know they're doing a Peacemaker HBO show. Maybe this is like an origin show. Like, they're going to fucking kill this guy. Wow. You know? I mean, he's one of the only cast members from the original. He's still alive. They killed off Boomer in five minutes. You know, oh, he's, flag, you mean. Flag, he's still I here. Meant, I was like, Peacemaker was he's, in the original? No, I'm like, he's still here. I'm like, yeah, like I think he's going to kill him. It looks like it's happening. Uh-huh. You know? And then you realize that look in his eyes is not like defeat it's kind of the compromise he has to make there i have to kill this guy that I like. yeah it, it just seems like there's a real respect there but that is the most grounded fight in the movie i mean that's yeah it that was a brutal and you kind of felt every single hit there's a lot of stuff in movies where there's plenty of one-on-one battles but this feels more personal in the same way that the tower scene in Saving Private Ryan feels like that, where there's like real desperation and it comes down to just face-to-face slowly stabbing the man to death. Like, my God, this is so real and so intense. Yeah, they play it very real. And Ratcatcher witnesses this, steals the hard drive back from Peacemaker because it's just on the ground after their fight and runs off. Now, in the theater, I found myself wondering... It's been a long time since they've cut to Harley and everybody else. Like, I'm sure this is deliberate, but how long is this going to go on? And then we get the eight minutes ago, and it cuts to their perspective kind of going up the tower as the others have gone down. They're setting explosives throughout. Um, Shark finds this aquarium of crazy-looking, cartoony, nice fish. They're all multicolored, and they, like, group together and mimic his form as a mirror image to him as he moves back and forth. And, like, oh, that's a nice little comic relief, you know? Like, you brought up earlier kind of a Finding Nemo moment, you know? He has that new dumb friends line that I like. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then uh, Milton dies, and that becomes a big joke. No one knows who the fuck that is. And Polka Dot Man melts these goons, just disintegrates them. And, so cool. Yeah, and I'm like, ooh, I hope we get more of that superpower because that's really cool. 
I like the Milton joke a lot, especially because I had a moment of when they're all entering the tower and he's just there with them. I'm like, yeah. why is Milton still yeah. here? <laughs> he's like, he just like, kind of like hobbling up the steps. Yeah, he should have just been the driver. And <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was the whole thing. Well, there's Don't a scene, worry, Ben. We'll address it. <laughs> no. Well, there's a scene when they're in the van and they're all getting ready and he like has a shotgun and he, they, like, he, point he, loads, it. Yeah. He, he loads it and Joel Kinnaman's like, no, no I'm going to take that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guess he should have let him have it. <laughs> Then the polka dots that he, you know, shoots at the guys accidentally blows their own explosives uh, in the crossfire, and this aquarium floods, and all those nice little fish eat King Shark, who falls all the way out of the tower. We've seen him get shot quite a bit in this, yeah. But we're seeing yeah. him get eaten and fall all the way out of the tower. I don't know, two hundred feet or something, flat on his face onto the ground, and then the military. Swarms around and shoots his corpse. And I'm like, wow, that was a gruesome death. And he just gets right back up and bites off the first head that he sees and is seen walking around with it in his mouth, kind of chewing on the rest of it for the next five minutes. (laughs) Bloodsport falls down through several stories. Again, all this is different characters' experience in this explosion. He falls down through several stories almost surfing on the concrete floors, it drops one story at a time, and he does his big superhero landing. He finally sees Peacemaker drawing his gun on Ratcatcher, you know, because he's trying to get the hard drive back. You know, there's this sort of line of, like, you have the drive, why not just destroy it? And he's like, because I'm thorough or whatever. And I can see why he would do that, because if she knows she could tell and people. wants to expose... Yeah. It's a trail of breadcrumb situation, you know. You put the right person on the case, you can still figure it out. And it's funny because he doesn't have his helmet on both in that last fight scene we're describing and this one. Yeah. Which also makes him seem less goofy and makes the whole conflict a little more serious. Uh-huh. You're right. Yeah, they probably did that to like, okay, now we need to actually play with some emotion. Yeah, now he's we... just a killer and you can see his face. Yeah, and... you're not the joke anymore. Yeah. You can't take him seriously with that thing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Bloodsport and Peacemaker fire on each other. It's like I wouldn't hit a guy with glasses. I wouldn't shoot a man with a toilet on his head. (laughs) (laughs) So this is kind of a classic superhero. We both fire at each other, you know, like uh, Iron Man, a war machine or something, you know. And they meet in the middle and something explodes. But in this case, Bloodsport's bullet goes through the bullet and hits him right in the throat. Which is the callback. And yes, the callback to the Peacemaker saying in the beginning... Smaller bullets, and um, Bloodsport uses it this time on him. Starro bursts through the tower like the Kool-Aid man <laughs> and deploys this flock of facehugger things that we talked about earlier from his armpit vag. There is the one scene earlier when they're looking at the lab, and you see all the variations that, like, Thinker... Because you get the idea that Thinker not only is trying to weaponize Starro, but also figure out how he mind-controls people. He says that when they're, they're leaving the club. And, I like how you control rats. Yeah, I'm working on something like that yeah. of my own. But yeah. that, so you see, like, there's the one guy whose entire lower half is missing, yeah. but he's still uh-huh. kind of moving. But the worst one was the one where the star had been like partially removed from the face. So <laughs> yeah. you just see the uh-huh. door and the shape of a star on the face, and like connected by tendrils. And yeah, fucking disgusting. Good job, James Gunn. And another thing that that does is it it really plays Starro as the victim, kind of like King Kong or something, where it's. Y- y- Kind of. At least I did anyway. I because he's like, "Are you here to free me?" He's been torturing me. He's yeah, been you experimenting on me. Well, this is what I complained about before. He's not fully a villain because of his situation, which is why he doesn't mm-hmm. work as like 
I mean, it's cool that he gets beaten, but you're not like, yeah, finally that guy gets what's coming to him. He's just... Yeah, exactly. And I like the way that that works because it's not a traditional like, oh, there's a big monster. Shit, we got to assemble this Task Force X, you know? It wasn't that way at all. It was just like, wow, we watched this monster rip apart its torturer. Cool. Oh, shit, the monster's out now. I guess we got to take him down too, you know, like... And like I've said, you know, you get these like cutesy monster characters. You feel a little bad when you watch the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man burning and that grimace that he makes on his face, don't you? That is not me, but... I- uh, uh, okay, Evan, a normal person might. You know, and I felt a little bit of that watching Star Wars, just like, you know, he's taking his revenge on mankind, but also... I had I some know. empathy for him, but the fact that all those people that he's put the star on are dead. Yeah. They've established that. And he killed the astronauts first. I mean, I, I never was like... That's true. Poor Starro. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, I guess I'm just a weak person. He deserves to die. <laughs> <laughs> Except for his line that they say at the end, which is like, I was so happy just staring at the stars. Alone. Yeah, and I was like, that was weird. Well, they pulled him out of it. He was just floating, and they pulled him onto their spaceship. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. He was just a little starfish. Yeah, I was like, what you, you've been on an underground bunker what, for 30 years. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Okay, so then we get this brief callback to the rebels that they were aligned with who come in and kill the new regime and take back their government for the people. That, I felt like, was only there just to set up the rescuing flag joke. Like, there was no other reason for that team to be in the movie. <laughs> oh, you know? okay. It was a backward setup? Well, it was sort of like... We didn't write them out. They got to exist somewhere. So they got one tiny little scene, and then Starro starts stomping around like Godzilla. You know, all the soldiers who got the stars on their faces, they wake up. I like watching Bloodsport shoot them out of the sky, and Ratcatcher put her mask on so they can't get her face. And they're just hitting King Shark, and they (laughs) don't do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Just plopping on his face, Um, and then they're technically done. So Waller's like, "Mission accomplished. Go home." And she goes nuts when they all turn around and start going back to town. And she is threatening to blow their goddamn motherfucking heads off. I'm putting quotes in the air, you pieces of fucking shit. You know, and is freaking out, which is a contradiction to the Waller we saw earlier who didn't flinch with a knife to her throat. But when everyone else on the team has been killed, and we did see her get a little worked up over... Savant, when she was threatening him, uh, it still plays. It's like insubordination is the thing she doesn't like. Yeah. She can handle a yeah, threat. How can I be so angry that I'm going to make them fall in line? Yeah. Yeah. And then she gets hit in the head with a golf club, her own golf club, by one of her crew members, which I thought killed her. And then when it shows that she's not dead, and she's she in her office. She was also trained from birth to be the most <laughs> only <laughs> To take shots in the yeah. head. Um, but then... The girl who hit her is still in the office. I'm like, Waller would kill that bitch. No question. She respects her uh, conviction. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. She's like, wow, you know, I probably had that coming. I don't know. I like how she yells at that other dude, like, get back to fucking work, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) The squad then attacks Starro from all angles. I'm just so excited we got to say Starro so many times. It's a good name for anything. It's so weird. Like, how are we talking about this and not Starro being like, the Conqueror. and then fucking Starro, the stupid, <laughs> stupid third act of this, this fucking was, movie. If this was just a Batman story and Starro the Conqueror was the villain, I'd that probably wouldn't work. So disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
This is cool because they all spread out and they use their own specific abilities to take him down. I like Harley's, uh, I know what the spear is for yeah. line. Exactly. I understand why they did the thing in the beginning, the joke I didn't like because of bringing it back to this. You could have had the same thing without the overdrawn-out joke. Yeah. yeah. I, honestly, if it had ended her smacking their face and, and then, then and then all the, <laughs> the <laughs> military shows up, that would have been plenty. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, they all sp- spread out. Bloodsport's shooting him. Polka Dot Man, my favorite moment from him, pictures him as his mom, and it's like the opening of Beavis and Butthead Do America where, like, <laughs> these big stupid people stomping on the world uh-huh. like... Godzilla, that was but, fucking funny. But then the gore, because we see it the way he sees it, so we see all his polka dots dissolving her leg. Yeah, that's and sick. And you see like, yeah. the bone and the, <laughs> the flesh. Yeah. yeah. And then we see uh, King Shark, like, monster, num num, you know, <laughs> starts chewing on his arm. And then everyone kind of gets their ass handed to them, actually, real quick, because Bloodsport gets swarmed by all these people who are now hosts on the street, all the civilians around. King Shark gets thrown through a building. Polka Dot Man gets stepped on and instantly smashed. Ratcatcher calls like a million fucking ants to swarm in. Rats to swarm in. Did I say ants? I said ants. That's funny because they rats swarm like ants. Is what <laughs> they swarm I, like rats. Because when they go from the fucking aerial view and you're seeing them all come yeah. up, it looks like fucking ants. That's a great power, especially against a giant thing. Yeah. Because you can't. What can he do? He can't do anything. Exactly. It tripped me out to think about like how many freaking rats are there? Like, where are all these rats all the rest of the time? More rats than people. They're in your house. Yeah, they should have done this in New York. (laughs) That's crazy. There's probably four rats in that room with you right now. (laughs) They don't do it, but like the swarming rats gives me berserk vibes, you know, like the rats creating like one of the... uh, Oh, like Batman Ninja with the monkeys... They come together and form. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Monkey chi. Yeah, Monkey chi. Exactly. So Harley climbs high while all the others are taking him down low, and she runs and jumps off a rooftop into his eye with the javelin. And I was shocked by this because I expected so resistance. Close. I expected, like, Superman flying Superman speed to doomsday punching a membrane spear open. Uh-huh. and it sticks in him and i never expected her to fall in like water <laughs> that surprised the shit out yeah. of me and then all the rats follow her that, inside and start chewing it from the inside might be the most grotesque scene in the movie is seeing oh my the, God. the swimming rats swim to flesh and then start eating it that yeah. only second to i think watching flags pierced heartbeat slow that was sick. Mm. That didn't bother me as much as the... It's just something about yeah. thing inside of another thing eating it. <laughs> yeah. Eating yeah. it from the yeah. inside. Well, Makes shout out to weird. Sebastian. We haven't brought him up yet, but he oh, is just he loves wonderful. You. He wants you to... He always wants to be near I you. I like him a lot, yeah. He brought you a pretty leaf. Yeah. And then we get this touching little uh, cutaway with Taika Waititi, who I, I didn't realize was her dad. Um, because I, I know him as Korg yeah. in CGI, but that whole like, why rats, you know, and like they're the lowliest creatures. If rats have purpose, then so do we all, you know. You're getting a little bit of actual heart in a scene where rats are chewing <laughs> a giant one eyed starfish monster 
from the inside out. Boring. I felt more in that scene than I did at any point in Batman versus Superman Fuck or you. Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Zack Snyder, when you're millions of dollars and you're, for the most part, success and acclaim. More than I'll ever get. So fuck you, guy. (laughs) Pure jealousy, that's all. All right, the epilogue here. Bloodsport uses Thinker's stolen hard drive to blackmail Waller for their freedom. And on the helicopter ride home, Ratcatcher nods off on Nanawe's shoulder. Little callback to their friendship pack from the beginning. Harley says nothing, just looks beautiful. And Bloodsport makes friends with the pet rat at last. You could see the fucking resistance in him, but he like curls the little rat curls up on his lap like my cat does to me. And <laughs> from the earlier in like the movie, he's like, "Is that why is that rat waving at me?" It's like <laughs> yeah. he wants to let you know he's friendly. Yeah. <laughs> why does anyone wave? And then we get an extra scene, a Snyder cut extra scene that makes no sense being part of the runtime. But Weasel wakes up on the beach, deserted coughing and choking and puking up all this water he drowned in, making crazy sounds and just wanders off into the jungle. And that's the end of the movie. What does a shark that spends his life out of the water smell like? Uh. (laughs) And would you lean against it? No. I don't know. I bet they all probably are a little smelly after that prolonged adventure in the jungle yeah or being inside of a big eyeball probably wouldn't smell very good yeah harley being probably smells in the yeah, that harley smells bad that's true yeah if she's surrounded by rats i don't think she would be wet I mean, rats there is a scene where her and her dad are smothered by let's say 50 rats to keep warm and uh-huh. they are all over their faces and everything so i don't think you could gross out this character yeah yeah that's true during that part i was momentarily like that's so sweet and then I was like, just because you're friends with the rats doesn't make them not filthy creatures. They carry plague. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's still still gross. Nice, but gross. <laughs> Stand here Because dad had such a long career with the police force and paramedic and firefighting stuff. I remember at one point being like, uh, dad, you've seen a whole bunch of stuff. Like, you must be capable of processing all these things. What kind of gets to you? And he was like, eyeball stuff oh yeah eyeball seems like one of those organs that like it has the least tolerance for getting fucked up before like you just can't use it anymore and now it's it's incredibly vulnerable yeah well i'm pretty uncomfortable with this line of (laughs) conversation think about think about some little thing crawling in your eye and eating it from the inside out like river blindness the little worm that gets in there and just eats it from the inside that's a real thing yeah because we're small size there is no god why would there be a god and that thing also (laughs) All right, so post credit scene, if you stayed to the end, did everyone see it? Yes, I always just do that now because they love to do I that. I thought I tried to, I don't know, what was it? Waller's crew from her office there are assigned to go to this hospital. Turns out to be Peacemaker. Oh. And the nurse is like, sounds like he was a real hero at the Cordo Maltese situation. And the guy's like, no, not We the were case. keeping tabs on the situation and that is not yeah. what happened. Now, just for fun, I put a little character comparison from the original to this version. I thought King Shark was way better than Killer Croc. I thought Bloodsport was equal to or maybe even a little cooler than Deadshot. I mean, they have the same... For being the same guy, they're very different. Yeah, yeah. They're similar characters, but 
were played very differently, but Idris Elba could have even outshined Will Smith. I mean, it was, that was great. I will say I favored Diablo over Polka Dot Man just because Polka Dot Man is so stupid, but they treated him well. And then Boomer, of course, was in both, but he died too early. I, I do think he should have been given a little more justice to him and not died with all the new extras. No, but I liked it because that's the thing that... Shows you it's real. Yeah, that sells me on that first scene because if everybody who died in the first scene was just introduced in that scene, yeah. it wouldn't have the same weight as killing off somebody we know. And That's true. It's easy because you could just be like, he's basically not in the movie. He just showed up just to do that. Mm-hmm. But it still works from a story point of like, oh, Boomerang, my guy. Yeah. Now he's gone. No. Yeah, I mean, I almost felt like if they were going to do that, they could have brought in more characters from the other one and killed them too. You they know? should have. Yeah. But you have to pay those people. That's yeah, true. kill them all. <laughs> All right, Easter eggs. I've got a few. What do you guys have? Anything? I feel like I said them all during the thing. I didn't take notes. When they, uh, <laughs> when they were fuckers. at the, the Bob Kane Memorial Hospital in Cordo Maltese. That was pretty cool. The, the yeah, Bob okay. Finger I mean, the fact that it's Highway. Bill, Bill Finger. Yeah. All right, so Harley removed the rotten tattoo from her face and changed her back tattoo that was property of Joker to property of no one. The weasel gag is predicated on the fact that everyone else on the squad can swim because he jumps in immediately falls underwater flag gets onto waller and says did no one check to see if the weasel can swim right that's the joke the whole first thing sets up he's the first one in the movie to die in suicide squad batman fishes harley quinn out of the water who as she's going in is going Pudding, I can't swim! Yeah, and then goes right underwater. Pudding. Yeah, I there. So, she can't swim. The fact that it's not quite a sequel, not quite a reboot, doesn't matter, but it's the same fucking character, same actor. Uh-huh. Anyway. Cordo Maltese is, of course, from the comics, uh, but also where Vicky Vale's war photos were taken in 89. That's the first time I ever heard it. Okay, yeah. R.I.P. to that absolutely beautiful monster between your legs. I knew I wrote the quote down somewhere. She's more broken up about his dick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Just to touch on that scene again, her about face when she shoots him and realizes what she's doing is sold because when she first sees him, he's getting out of the hot tub and he's barely dressed Mm -hmm. and she is swooning like visibly right out of the gate and she's being treated very well in this fancy dinner and all of that just really sweeping her off her feet and then going wait a second it makes that final shot literal shot more believable and i also think that scene is what you were rightfully complaining about the joke in the pit of like who's the joke for because the guy's dead and she doesn't know there's an audience watching this this is the version of that working where she keeps talking but it's like as he's dying and it's almost kind of like she's working it out herself. Yeah, she's thinking out loud. Uh-huh. Yeah, of like, she's you know, I've yeah, done yeah. these before and blah, 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 like saying all that stuff. But it's the same kind of thing. There's no one there but the guy who died and her. Yeah. Funny visual thing. I like where they're in the bird room and like she's covered in birds and that's funny. But then there's this profile shot where they are like floating. Yeah towards each other i just like how it's meant to look surreal and Dreamy. i like it they're like drifting together without moving their they're legs. on furniture dollies or something like that <laughs> yeah. yeah it's funny a couple last things that are just minor i could not help but think in the milton scene where he gets killed they're in this office with all these cubicles and shit 
Milton, my stapler. <laughs> yeah, no, not that, but they do have a big fight scene in the first movie in an abandoned office building through all these cubicles and shit. So just a little like set callback sort mm-hmm. of thing. And then the last thing I want to mention here is just that if you guys like the humor and the violent style of this film, please watch the Harley Quinn animated series on HBO Max. It is right in this vein. It's one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. We'll be talking about it at some point as well. So just want to throw that out there. They're very similar styles. You get paid to say that? Uh, no. He's trying, he doesn't I'm realize that fan. HBO is at home and there's nothing to invite him to from HBO. But <laughs> he's trying, HBO, can you invite me to my home to watch? This is <laughs> what I, I would a movie do normally. What are you fucking assholes? All right, pros. It's a very fun time. Yeah. Just a lot of good fun. But Ben's like King Shark here. Fun. <laughs> Movie fun. The words that you say really speak to me, Ben. That's my kind of language. And I, I think that the other day when we watched it, it was like National Root Beer Float Day. And Amber and I had a cream soda float that was delicious, <laughs> followed by some popcorn. And had a very good fun time. The root Beer Float was delicious. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so that's, that's your favorite part? Okay. <laughs> Well, also, we hadn't had a root beer float since changing our diet, so we got... No root we beer went, floats, that was yeah, so, so we went root beer, yeah, since, <laughs> since we kicked root beer. Since we kicked that uh, A&W habit. <laughs> Fuck. So we shopped around for some root beer and paired it with our favorite so delicious coconut milk vanilla bean ice cream, and it was way good. Oh. Are you getting paid to say that? Yeah, yeah, that so sounds more like an irrelevant plug to me than. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, mean, I can't, uh, I can't sneak it in that often. So, whenever I can. Man, when I was watching this movie, my favorite part was the feeling of my Hanes underwear on my body. <laughs> can't wait till I get my Hanes on me. Hmm. <laughs> God damn it! This episode sponsored by Me Undies. All right. Well, I have real pros. I, I, this okay. movie to me <laughs> takes <laughs> shocking risks. Shocking risks. It's not the kind of shit we're used to. Filthy humor, pacing, very well paced for all the characters. They clean house early on, so it's not bogged down by the enormous cast. But each character that's kept is well used. Again, Joel Kinnaman and Viola Davis given a lot more to do. Every scene with Idris Elba and John Cena and their banter is fantastic. Um, That's like Hobbs and Shaw. Dwayne Johnson can be funny. Yeah. But he wasn't super funny in that, and they were both playing like the tough guy. Sponsored it, by Hobbs and Shaw. It, it was like the yeah, you breaking my balls guy. Yeah, I'm breaking your balls. Yeah, you breaking my like that's that whole movie, and it's not funny. Idris Elba and John Cena is what they wish they could have done. The mm. banter between them of like, that's good ball breaking. The setup for each one of them is the same. They're tough guys who kill people, and they're yeah, they're just badass. Their skill sets are the same. Yeah. But they're totally different personalities. Yeah. Yeah, that's what sells it for sure. And again, um, David and Daniela as the smaller characters, they do a lot with what little they're given. And the fact that they use Starro but don't make him the main villain, you know, as the other one was just this long lead up towards Enchantress and all this shit that nobody fucking cares about. And I'll say my cons, which is short, a couple jokes didn't land. We already talked about it, but that's really all that I have. My big con... I agree with you on those with just, again, that I don't. Like movies? Yeah, I don't like movies. I, uh, 
I like single pictures from 100 years ago or older. No, just the, there was no tension for me. Hmm. For whatever reason, I didn't... So I, even killing everyone in the beginning, throughout the movie, you're not going like, oh my God, who's going to die next? Not, not no, at all? Because I didn't care. It didn't matter. I, it, <laughs> no, I mean, and that's why I, I started this with saying it was a fun time. I enjoyed yeah. it, and I enjoyed the characters, but I never, I never cared enough about them to care if they lived or died. I never yeah. cared about the people of their Earth enough to care whether Starro won or not. Like... I didn't oh, care so you about wanted any of more of those stuff. like cuts to the Russian family? And <laughs> no, <League. laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it, but I didn't care. That's what I'll say. I never had any worry. I mean, and I don't really think that's even the point or needed to be there necessarily. You should care about your characters succeeding or not. Well, no, I meant like the the civilians and stuff. Like, I don't. I think I, I people inherently know giant monster bad heroes stop. I threw that part in just as an exaggeration of it. I didn't care whether they won or not. Yeah, and that's what I'll say is my con. It didn't matter to me. It probably didn't matter much to James Gunn as long as it's entertaining. Who or cares? the characters, so they didn't seem to care all that much either. Yeah, I could have used Except more for of that. Savant. <laughs> I have any cons here? No, I don't really have anything. I didn't have any thoughts or expectations going into it. And I'm just here to have fun and Drink be beer. entertained. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just here for my cream soda. <laughs> no, it wasn't taking itself seriously, and I wasn't taking it seriously, and therefore I enjoyed it. Yeah. I also want to give it credit. Have either of you seen The Boys? Like two episodes. I watched all The Boys. I liked it a lot. And I read the comic. I like Garth Ennis, but I don't like The Boys all that much, but it's still pretty good. I literally thought that was an original, like, just for TV no, it was an yeah. adaptation of a Garth Ennis book, oh. which is very similar. But what I don't like about both the show and the book is that it's about superheroes being bad. Not villains, but like literally the regular superheroes are the bad guys. They're bad people. Their hmm. culture that puts them up is bad. Like a Watchmen thing? or It's worse than that. Cause, okay. cause, and that's what I was going to say is that so like Watchmen at least takes the underlying concept seriously. But they're people, and so when you, if you gave people that much power, they'd probably be fucked up. Yeah. Boys is even further along, line, along that line where like they're just shitty, and the way they got their powers is shitty. It's all stupid. I like this because it never does that. Again, it's going back to what I said where it's so comic booky, but it plays it very straight for how ridiculous yeah. the situations are and their powers and all that stuff, but it's never like the people who originally came up with this were fucking idiots, right? <laughs> what kind of stupid losers came up with It's never that. Isn't there... Isn't a big starfish? What kind of fucking dummy wrote come up with that thing? That's Oh, no, no. I'm thinking... I watched an interview with James Gunn where uh, he's talking about some of the characters and he's like, you know, we're like Javelin. He's fucking useless. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's as close as it gets to it, but still, it just... It never felt... Or Jared TDK just like... His arms flying through the air and just kind of slapping these guys yeah. who have machine guns. And Harley's just like, what the fuck? It, <laughs> It never <laughs> felt like it resented being a comic book thing. No, no, saying. not at all. Not at all. Those two characters seem like they could have been from the tick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, there's obviously no Batman trifecta in this one because we don't have any Affleck cameos this time. Rating. I came here intending to give it a three and a half, but I think I'll give it a four. Oh, nice. Ev? Four's good for me. Yeah. I give it a five. I fucking loved it. I have almost no complaints. Watching it twice in a row was enough that I wanted to watch it again and thought, that's stupid. Let's watch the original one. <laughs> that's right? stupid. I'm going to watch right? <laughs> Justice League, let's watch, the extended no, edition. No, I was like, let's watch the original. Well, the extended Suicide Squad is what I watched. And then immediately was like, oh, 
boy, this new one is good. <laughs> like, because, you know, I knew it was not a good movie. I just really liked the acting in it. But watching the original on the heels of this one just cemented even more how much I love the new direction. And uh, I would love more let directors fucking go crazy with the shit. Pick a guy you think is going to do awesome with this particular story and character concept. Yeah. You know, yeah, with these particular characters and just fucking let him do his thing. You know, I. I I wish we would get more the Suicide Squad, more Joker, and less Superman 2. What kind of superhero story would David Fincher be good for? They aped it pretty hard for Joker, so I mean, I'd say that. But um, Victor Zaz. Yeah, I want real superhero, though. I mean, like, I want to make Like a hero. I want him, I want David Fincher to do a story about a guy who wears a cape or who is an alien or something. Uh, What about uh, Moon Knight? Okay, they're making that Moon Knight show. That could be good. Nice, I didn't know that. Yeah, with Oscar Isaac, I think, as Moon Knight. Huh. I like him. He's good. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you don't mind us fucking up the season a little bit to squeeze that in there, but I- I'm really glad that we did it. One thing we do often critique when we're watching a film is the CGI. I just wanted to take a moment to shout out how good the CGI is in this film with Sebastian, the rat, King Shark, all the crazy shit that's happening is incredibly detailed and lifelike and yeah i just thought that was worth celebrating so if you're a fan of the show we will be back next friday not this week but the 20th of august with our regularly scheduled program please take a screenshot put us in your stories follow us at bat fan addict and we will return with earth one volume three